Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Today, we're going to spend the hour with a virtual town hall with Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Patrick Leahy, and Congressman Peter Welch. This town hall was held on Thursday, and the primary focus was on what is happening for Vermont businesses, for employees, for people who have lost their jobs, and consisted of questions being asked from around the state by people who are engaged in employment and unemployment in all its various uh, forms. The town hall was moderated by Kristen Carlson, who uh, many may know from her days as a reporter with WCAX. Uh, Of late, she is with Green Mountain Power. Um, So hers is the voice that you'll be hearing asking the questions during this town hall. The forum began with uh, Senator Sanders talking about what he thinks it will take to rebuild the economy. We think the easiest way to rebuild the economy is to do what the Europeans are doing, what we did in the Corona 3 bill, is make sure that workers continue to receive their paychecks. Um, And that is the federal government, when necessary, uh, will continue workers' paychecks and health care. Uh, we did that in Corona 3 with the airline industry. Two million airline employees continue to get their paychecks today. I happen to believe that in the midst of this crisis, everybody is entitled to health care. We have a program that would do that by um, letting Medicare fill in the gaps. If you're uninsured, if you're underinsured, if you have private insurance and a high deductible, can't afford prescription drugs, Medicare will be there during the crisis. Uh, I happen to believe we should do something similar to what Canada is doing, and that is get $2,000 per month uh, for workers during the course of this crisis because people are worried about being evicted, uh, losing their homes, not being able to pay their student debts, et cetera, et cetera. I'm worried about the Postal Service. Uh, essentially, Trump, I think, has a mind to destroy the Postal Service, which have a huge implication in the economy and small businesses in Vermont in particular. Uh, tomorrow, on Monday morning, I'll be meeting uh, with folks uh, who are in the nonprofit uh, food sector in Vermont uh, who are trying to get food out to people who desperately need it. I want to make a, sure that everybody in this country has food. Apparently, 20%, according to some studies, of children in America are now hungry. All of you are familiar with the crisis we're facing in higher education in Vermont. There was a proposal, fortunately, didn't go through. Shutting down three state colleges, how do we preserve? A higher education. Senator Lee mentioned the issue of broadband. Huge issue. We're seeing the absurdity of an American system right now where millions of people in rural America uh, can access broadband. Uh, the other issue I hope that we can get into is Trump, as you know, wants to open up the economy tomorrow and everything is great and wonderful. Uh, some of us don't believe that. Uh, what does opening up the Vermont economy in a safe way mean? Can you do it safely? How do we do it safely? I'd like to hear 
uh, some discussion uh, on that. So uh, thank you all very much for what you're doing uh, to answer any questions you might have. Thank you. Uh, with that, I will turn it over to Congressman Welch. Uh, this is a once in a hundred year event. Literally the last time we had a pandemic was in 1918 and it was brutal and it was long lasting. We lost more lives than we did in the, the horrors of World War One, And the impact on us in this state, on everyone, uh, is, is jarring and it's ongoing. You know, the response first has to be to protect our health and that's the social distancing. But the collateral consequence of that, of social distancing is we turn the lights off on the economy. And it's tough on everybody, uh, but it's really tough uh, on smaller businesses where in addition to the personal anxiety everybody feels about, will I get sick? More importantly, will somebody I love get sick? It's what do I do to try to keep my employees going, keep my business going, deal with my creditors? You know, I was on a, a, a call earlier with the, the restaurant owners in Vermont and they're a huge part of our economy and they have a long road ahead in the PPP program, which was designed in the hopes that it would help them, doesn't work for them at all. Yet they've got to carry on. And what our goal here is, Bernie, Patrick, and mine, is to do everything we can. And that includes the $2.2 trillion bill, the $450 billion bill, the aid to the states bill that we'll probably be taking up very soon. Uh, to help people stay afloat during this time when they have to turn the lights off and then take that next step to return to, uh, to a strong, to revitalize our economy. And it's going to take that extraordinary uh, amount of intervention by the federal government. Uh, but then it's also going to take a real responsiveness where things like the PPP program that are helping some businesses, 10,000 businesses have applied and have gotten over a billion dollars. That helps. But there's a lot of businesses like our restaurants that doesn't work. So we've got to be responsive and go back and make those changes like Patrick was saying. My view on where we're at is that Vermont's doing a good job. Uh, the governor has the primary responsibility for making the decisions about what we have to do to protect our health with the social distancing, with the careful return to as close to normal as we can get, do that gradually. And the Congress actually, on a bipartisan basis up to this point, has come up with uh, $3 trillion to try to address this. Uh, and as big as that number is, it doesn't necessarily mean anybody's held harmless at all. And the Federal Reserve has responded with about $4 trillion. And the, even with that, we don't know when and how this is gonna end. But my approach on this is that we, the federal government is the only entity that has the financial, <clears throat> or pardon me, the fiscal uh, flexibility and the fiscal uh, strength to be able to provide that assistance. But the two steps we have to take, financial, is one, health is the other, the federal government is failing to play its role because there has to be, on the part of the president, a commitment to getting a standardized testing procedure that's simple and can be delivered at the point of service and is uh, affordable so that we can then do the testing, next the contact tracing, and next the isolation. The things you have to do to deal with the health consequences of the pandemic are basically just gritty work. It's not a mystery. I mean, and that has to go on while the search for a vaccine is underway. And the gap we have right now is at that health, federal health response level. On the response level with the economy, we're doing things, but none of us have the illusion that no matter how much we do, it's gonna hold people harmless. And, uh, having these meetings to hear from everybody as to how things are going, suggestions on what we can do, comments on what we're doing that can be adjusted to make them more effective. Uh, Patrick, Bernie, and I uh, really appreciate this. But our approach has to be to not worry about getting it just right, 
if we're going to make an error, let's do it on the side of doing too much. Let's not err on the side of doing too little. So thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing uh, comments and questions. So one of the questions that came in from a VBSR member to know, what can we do to upgrade broadband access for rural areas in the near future? How will small mom and pop businesses survive without it? Senator Leahy, do you want to start that conversation? Uh, that's a conversation that we've had for a few years. We still have to do far more. And you know, one of the good things about this, Peter and I, the governor, the legislative leaders in Vermont are all agreed on some of these issues. And Kristen, you and I have discussed this in the in the past in your your former uh, uh, position. It, I, I remember as a child with my grandparents saying how excited they were when electricity came to their home in the Northeast Kingdom. Well, none of us would accept having a home without electricity. Uh, broadband is just as necessary as that. Uh, I'm urging more money to go in to the uh, next COVID bill uh, that would go to, to broadband, but then the legislature, uh, the governor and others have got to come together and say, look, it's far less expensive to get broadband downtown Burlington than it might be an island pond, but it's a necessity in both places and we have to do it. I don't know how Vermont's economy can fully recover unless we have universal broadband. I and Peter and Bernie and the governor and others have urged companies to settle in different parts of our, our state. And the first question is, what are the communications like? We, we have plants and companies all over the country, but if we can't talk to each other, and then take the average person who has a small B&B uh, or a resort or something like that, they have to do reservations online. If they don't have something, they're, they're way behind their competitors. So yes, uh, we've been trying to put together a coalition of Republicans and Democrats in the Appropriations Committee to insist there be more money for broadband. Thank you, Senator Leahy. Uh, before I move to the next question, which is going to be on health care, and I think that is going to go to Senator Sanders first. Uh, Congressman Welch or Senator Sanders, would you like to add anything on to the conversation on broadband? Yeah. A lot of questions. Just, just very briefly, uh, Kristen, as is, is, is you mentioned, um, this crisis is exacerbating the insanity of communities in Vermont and all over this country not having broadband. Kids are not going to school. How are they supposed to communicate with their teachers and do their <clears> lessons if they don't have broadband? How does any, as Senator Leahy said, any business settle into a small town if you don't have decent cell phone service or broadband? It's totally crazy. We are way behind Europe uh, in terms of uh, how much coverage we have and the cost, of, by the way, of that coverage. Now, some years ago, I and, and others, I, I think Senator Lee and, and Congressman Welch together, we worked to bring in many millions of dollars uh, in broadband in the state. Springfield did well by that. Some other communities did okay. But the truth is what we need a discussion about is uh, if you're in a very rural area, it's not terribly profitable uh, for some of these big companies to string the lines uh, and provide the uh, quality broadband that people need. And we're going to need communities, we're going to need the state to play a more active role in that area. But there should be no question. Senator Lee is absolutely right. By the year 2020, we should look at broadband like you look at electricity. Every community should have it. Uh, but how we implement it in a rural state is, is the question that we're going to have to address. Congressman Welch, anything you want well, to add? It's just that there's growing support um, because what we're facing, you need broadband for medical appointments. You need broadband to learn. You need broadband as a business. Uh, that's true in all of rural America. And I'm uh, one of the leaders of the Rural Broadband Caucus and my Republican colleagues, uh, who I don't agree with on many issues, were totally in agreement on this. And of course, with the impact of the COVID virus and the stay at home, stay safe approach that we've had to take, 
everybody has been impacted. So this is a challenge we all face. And I think it's created the atmosphere that uh, Patrick was talking about earlier that we're starting to, we're seeing that broadband <clears throat> is the same as electricity was in the 30s. So thank you. You're listening to the Vermont Conversation, and this week we're featuring a digital town hall with Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Patrick Leahy, and Congressman Peter Welch that was sponsored by Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility last Thursday. The next question was for Senator Sanders, who has asked, with three out of ten Vermonters now out of work, does it make sense to have one's health care tied to employment? And if there has ever been a moment in American history when people understand the absurdity of tying health care to your job, now should be that moment. When tens of millions of people are losing their jobs, many of them are losing their health insurance. So the issue is, is health care a human right to be guaranteed to every man, woman, and child in this country, whether you're working, whether you're not working, whether you're in school, whether you're three years old or whether you're 93 years old, which is essentially what every other major country on earth does, or do we continue the current absurd system in which we spend twice as much per capita on health care as with the people of any other country, and you got, you know, probably over 100 million people today who are uninsured or underinsured. So that is the question. And the answer is, in my view, and all of you know this, uh, and I've been helping to lead this fight uh, in, in the Congress, is, of course, we need a Medicare for all single-payer program. Healthcare is a human right. Now, uh, we are going to fight to bring that about. Uh, we have made real progress in recent years. It used to be seen as a radical idea. The last poll that I saw, over 60% of the American people now understand we need Medicare for all. All right, that's a fight that continues. Short term, uh, what I worry about right now is with so many people losing their health insurance, uh, what do we do? And what I am fighting for now, and we have a number of co-sponsors in the Senate, similar bill in the House, is to say that at least in this emergency, forget Medicare for all for the moment, but at least in this emergency, what we have got to do is make sure that every person in this country has coverage right now. Can you imagine people not going to a doctor with coronavirus symptoms because they don't have any health insurance? Can you imagine somebody going bankrupt because they were treated for coronavirus? That's exactly what's happening. So what I want is at least during this crisis is to Medicare, for Medicare to supplement private health insurance and to provide um, coverage to the uninsured and the underinsured. We've got serious legislation in, uh, that would do that. Congressman Welch? Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Um, I, I agree with Bernie, everything he said. Uh, and in addition to that, what this coronavirus has revealed is the insufficient social insurance programs in the United States. We don't have childcare, even for our first responders. Uh, we don't have paid family leave uh, for everybody who may need to be uh, home because they're sick or somebody in their family is. We don't have insurance. We don't have health care that is available when you lose your job. Uh, and we've got an administration that right now, as we're speaking, is trying to abolish the Affordable Care Act. And that's the assault on what I think fundamentally we have to start moving towards in this country. And that is a social insurance program that acknowledges that we've got to take the wealth we have and create, in a, set, in a sense, an infrastructure that provides some stability uh, for individuals and for families. And I think there's some room for there to be more support for that because as Bernie was saying, a lot of resistance among some to a Medicare for all but there's a lot of recognition that we've got to have COVID care for all. And what's really the difference? Are we going to have coverage for everybody if you're ill with one illness, but it's pick and choose if you're ill for something else? So that's the ongoing challenge that we have. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Vermont um, Businesses for Social Responsibility because you've been such good advocates for these social insurance programs across the board that we need. Let's switch to clean energy now, and maybe uh, Congressman Welch, you can take the lead on some of this, and then we'll hear from Senator Sanders. 
Uh, a lot of really good questions. Uh, this comes from uh, East Montpelier. And the question is, can you please provide an update or outlook on extension of the federal ITC for solar advanced wood heating and energy storage? And I'm gonna also sandwich this with another question because I think it is all connected. Um, first of all, uh, this, this uh, person who wrote in in advance wanted to thank you for everything you're doing for our state and our country. And how much opportunity do you see in a potential federal stimulus package for investments in natural resource and clean energy programs that can generate jobs quickly and help rebuild our economy? Something I know that the delegation is thinking a lot about. So, Congressman Welch, do you mind leading on that? And um, Senator Sanders, you can chime in after because I know you have a lot of thoughts on that too. Well, well, a couple of things. First of all, with what's happening, the solar industry in Vermont has been absolutely hammered. Uh, because construction had to stop. Maybe that'll start changing, but it's been a really, really brutal time uh, for our solar industry. And of course, the sol our solar industry has been an extraordinary bright spot for the environmental benefits that it's provided and the economic benefits that it's provided. <clears throat> so because of that, it's all the more urgent that we do extend those tax credits. My experience in the Congress is that there's always incredible wrangling about that, but at the end of the day, we do extend them. So my hope is past this prologue and we do. On the second question of an ambitious infrastructure program that starts making a way long overdue uh, commitment to clean energy and attacking climate change I mean, with all the benefits that come from doing that, environmental and economic, it really is going to depend on who is the next president. I just got to put it that way. Everything that this president is doing is rolling back the progress that we have made. And he's uh, deregulating everything from flaring methane gas, uh, which is an incredible uh, pollutant uh, to the atmosphere, huge carbon emissions, to rolling back the mileage standards, to making it easier for coal companies to dump uh, toxic coal into stream beds. So. Congress, with Pat, with Patrick and Bernie, who's been a major leader on this, uh, is ready to act, uh, at least on the House side, a little tougher uh, for uh, the King of Coal, Senator McConnell, on the Senate side. Uh, but that is going to depend on the outcome of this election. And, you know, Bernie, you've played such a major role on this, uh, both in uh, as a member of the Senate and, of course, in your uh, presidential campaigns. So I'll, I'll turn over to you right now. Well, you know, I agree with what Peter said, you know, in the midst of this economic meltdown and the pandemic, uh, everybody has been focusing on, you know, day-to-day -day survival right now. Uh, and there's not been a lot of discussion about another existential threat that we face, and that is climate change. And, uh, you know, what the scientists are telling us is that we have a small number of years, a very Few, fewer than 10, in order to substantially reduce carbon emissions, whilst the planet that we're going to be leaving our kids and our grandchildren is going to be an increasingly unhealthy and uninhabitable planet. That's just simply the reality which almost everybody in America, except the President of the United States, understands. And I have been a strong advocate for the concept of a Green New Deal, which would transform our energy system away from fossil fuel into energy efficiency and sustainable energy. Uh, and when we do that, we can create many, many millions of good paying jobs. Uh, right now, if you want cheap uh, electricity, investing in solar is the way to go. Uh, we have huge potential, and I know there's a debate about this in Vermont, uh, in wind energy as well. Uh, not to mention transforming our transportation system uh, not to mention making our homes and our buildings, businesses more energy efficient. Over the years, I've brought in a whole lot of money into the state for energy efficiency. So you can cut, uh, you can cut back on the utilization use of, of energy by 50%, save people money on their bills, cut carbon emissions, and create jobs. So I, I think clearly if we're concerned about the planet, we leave our kids uh, and grandchildren, the United States, has got to not only do the right thing in our country, but lead the world, this is obviously it's a global issue, uh, in transforming the global energy system. And as Peter indicated, of course, Trump is doing exactly 
exactly the wrong thing uh, in every instance. So I think there's great potential. I think Vermont has been, but we can be even more of a leader uh, in creating a green economy. You've been listening to the Vermont Conversation, and this week we are featuring a digital town hall that was held last Thursday with Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Patrick Leahy, and Congressman Peter Welch, and sponsored by Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility. The town hall, which was conducted with uh, business people and interested folks from around the state, was moderated by Kristen Carlson, the former reporter for WCAX, who now works for Green Mountain Power as their spokesperson. We're going to take a short break for the news, and when we come back, we're going to continue this town hall with Senator Sanders and Congressman Peter Welch taking over and responding to questions from Vermonters from around the state. I'm David Goodman. Stay tuned for the news. We'll be right back. The Vermont Conversation with David Goodman is brought to you by Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility and by Vermont Student Assistance Corporation, Green Mountain Power, Concept2, Norwich Solar Technologies, The Alchemist Brewery, Let's Grow Kids, UVM Medical Center, and nearly 700 business members of Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Welcome back to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. We're spending the hour this week uh, tuning into a virtual town hall that was conducted last Thursday with Senator uh, Bernie Sanders and Congressman Peter Welch. Senator Patrick Leahy was in on the first half but had to leave to go for a vote. The panel was moderated by uh, Kristen Carlson, who uh, is now the spokesperson for GMP, used to be a reporter for WCAX. And the audience was people around the state, uh, both uh, with a special focus on uh, businesses, but also on people who have jobs, are concerned about their jobs, or who are recently unemployed. In this half hour, it'll be Senator Bernie Sanders and Congressman Peter Welch, and the town hall turned to listener questions. The first question was about the challenges facing local businesses trying to access the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP. Um, here's, uh, here, I think it's Peter Welch starts us off. The bottom line, the PPP program was intended to try to help these small businesses that hadn't turned the lights off survive to fight another day. And we passed that in Congress. Uh, it was part of a $2.2 trillion bill that was unanimously passed, passed. You had Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi in agreement. We did it in a week. And then after that, the, on the fly, the Small Business Administration did the so-called guidance. And <clears throat> that's got to be changed because in the real world, it simply is too restrictive for the intended purpose, namely the survival of these small businesses the conditions are too restrictive to achieve that goal. So the congressional intent here was for the small businesses to have the ability <clears throat> to do the things they needed. And it includes some of these expenses. The timeline has to be extended as uh, Patrick said earlier, because in the case, I'll just give an example of like the restaurants, they can't have all their workers back with nothing to do because people aren't coming in and it's gonna take a while. And even those restaurants might have to operate at half capacity. So let's make whatever legislative changes may be required to achieve the original purpose of the goal that is to benefit our small businesses. Other comment that I think it would be good for the delegation and the staff to hear came in from a small restaurant. And I actually know this restaurant, it's in Montpelier, and uh, we've used them for uh, curbside and takeout and we appreciate it. And this restaurant owner wants to know, and I think wants you to consider this too, because it's a challenge. I think a lot of VBSR uh, folks and people who care about the environment are struggling with. Uh, and this comment uh, comes from Montpelier and it says, I'm a small restaurant and I've been strongly encouraged to shift to a takeout model, but I'm concerned about the carbon imprint of that. My restaurant takes great pride in being environmentally friendly. And again, I know this restaurant and they take great pride in also sourcing local products. So again, I think it's good for the delegation to hear some of the challenges uh, businesses have. Any comments on that before I go to a question? 
No, I was just going to say, I agree. I mean, it's one of the things that's so wonderful about our restaurants. That there's a combination of uh, artistic uh, sensibility, environmental ethic, and practical ability to run a business. And uh, the takeout model is not why that person went into business. It may be something that has to be done in the interim, but let's get them back to work. Uh, go ahead, Bernie. No, I agree. <clears throat> Add to that. I, I agree with Peter on that. Um, and uh, person, uh, you know, the issue that is on my mind very much is uh, how in Vermont and around this country we move to quote unquote reopen the economy, uh, but do it in a way that is safe. Um, and right now, obviously, uh, uh, for restaurants, we see it as safer for people to do takeout. Uh, than to sit in an enclosed environment. Uh, but how we move uh, gradually to reopen the economy uh, is something that I think all of us are going to think very, very hard about. Another question that came in that folks are interested in, there were several questions about nonprofits. And this question is, will there be any additional support for local nonprofits who has both of you heard are really struggling during this time period as well? Well, from my perspective, the answer is absolutely. I mean, in Vermont, we have some great nonprofits. Uh, they want to continue to do the important work they're doing. They want to uh, continue to be able to uh, take care of uh, their employees. And I think that they have got to be treated uh, like other small businesses are. Yeah, I agree with Bernie on that totally. Uh, they're a big part of our life, our community life. A lot of the nonprofits are arts organizations. And uh, some of those are excluded from participating in some of these programs uh, that are available to small businesses. And on our call yesterday, uh, uh, Bernie, uh, with the caucus, uh, there was widespread support for giving, uh, consider to including the nonprofits uh, in the various programs that are part of the CARES packages. Good. Good. All right, back to another question. There's been several of these that have come in, so I'm sort of gonna merge it into one question. And I know it's something that you are both thinking about a lot. Uh, there's a lot of support for the proposals and the work that you are doing, but also questions around that these are great proposals, but what systems are in place to deliver them and how are we going to uh, fund these ideas? What I think the crisis is showing us is compared to many other countries, as it happens, how weak our social infrastructure is. Um, one of the reasons I support uh, a paycheck security program is it is easier to implement. Right now, you have states all over this country, including the state of Vermont, by the way, that are doing unemployment compensation with 40-year-old computers. Now, the governor has worked hard here, and others have to make sure that we get that checks out, but it is, it does indicate in states like Florida and around the country, they're literally having an impossible time getting checks out because their infrastructure uh, in terms of workers' benefits is so weak. Uh, and then when you look in terms of public health, uh, Peter mentioned before the need for contact tracing. Uh, <laughs> the need even to have masks for our doctors and our nurses in gowns and gloves. We apparently were unable to do that as well. So I think what we have to learn from this crisis is how weak our public infrastructure is in terms of disease prevention, uh, in terms of being prepared for a pandemic, in terms of delivering goods and services uh, to working uh, people. So that's number one, and a lot of work. And, and this is a result of you know, maybe 30 or 40 years of attacking government. Government is terrible. Government is awful. We all love Wall Street and big money, uh, but we hate local, state, and federal government. And I think we have to rethink that whole premise. Uh, issue number two about how we pay for it uh, is a fair question. Uh, uh, but I don't know that at this moment we have much of a choice. Uh, we have millions of people today who are worried about how they're going to feed their families tomorrow. We have a moral responsibility make sure that they are uh, able to do that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think we have a moral responsibility to make sure that all people 
in this country have the health care uh, that they need right now, uh, that people are not evicted from their homes or lose uh, or, or evicted from their apartments or lose their homes or, or go bankrupt because they can't afford to pay uh, their credit card debt or their medical debt and so forth and so on. So I think we have to do that. Is that expensive? Yeah, it is expensive. Which then takes us to the broader question of how is it that in the wealthiest country in the history of the world, which is what we are, half of our people have living paycheck to paycheck, while at the same time major corporations like Amazon uh, did not pay a nickel in federal taxes last year. How does that happen? Uh, how does it happen that we can provide tens of billions of dollars in subsidies to the fossil fuel industry while they destroy the planet, or spend $700 billion on the military, uh, which is more than the next 10 nations combined. So I think what we need to do is, at this particular moment, rethink national priorities, rethink our value system, but certainly as part of our value system right now, in the midst of this unprecedented crisis, we have got to take care of the working families and the lower-income people uh, in this country. Thank you, Congressman Welch. Just want to reserve a moment if you want to add in. You know, not a lot to add because I really do agree uh, with Bernie. You know, and this question of how are we going to pay for it, we're borrowing the money. And uh, I've generally been uh, pay-as-you-go. I'd like to raise money through progressive taxes to pay for things. <clears throat> Uh, Bernie, you know, you promote a lot of things, but you were pretty tight-fisted as mayor of, uh, of Burlington. You were really careful uh, about yep. tax burdens on people. But we've got a situation where the house is on fire, we need a hose, and we don't have the cash, so we're going to borrow it. That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, we do get back to the priority question because Bernie, Patrick, and I were all appalled at the, uh, the Trump tax cut uh, that was used to uh, sweeten the profits of very profitable corporations and the money was used for stock buybacks. And it's an indication of how things, the decisions you make at one point, restrict your ability to make decisions you need to make at another point. Because that added to the debt without any productive uh, benefit. Now we are adding to the debt and it's about survival. We have to do it. Uh, and if we don't do it, then we'll go from a really challenging situation to just an unresolvable extended depression. I mean, that's how serious it is. So uh, I hope we do have this kind of debate about priorities that, uh, that Bernie's been uh, uh, discussing here, because we want to be on a sounder footing in the event of, a, of, a, of, of another situation that requires a dramatic response. And that's why, Bernie, I do like this uh, payroll uh, protection plan. I'm uh, co-sponsoring that in the House. Well, you both talked about a topic that also garnered a lot of questions, both during this live uh, town hall opportunity and also before this started. And I'm going to read there's three, and it kind of has to do with micro business support, which I think um, will resonate. And again, it's good for you to hear from your constituents. Wow. I'm going to just read these three questions and uh, maybe Senator Sanders, if you want to start the conversation and Congressman Welch, you can follow. They're kind of on a similar theme, but I think it shows a lot of interest and concern on this topic, which you both uh, already alluded to. So questions coming in from all over the state, Westminster, Rutland, having to do with, will the fourth stimulus package support the needs of our micro business clients? Then what do you see uh, as the potential for and timing of a fourth stimulus package, in addition to helping small businesses, can they help support the needs of lower income people who want to sustain or start a micro business? And then lastly on this topic, the economic impacts of COVID-19 justify an unprecedented investment in the Vermont Micro Business Development Program. Will you help bring attention to our underserved community and support micro business? Senator Sanders? Uh, well, let me jump to the timing uh, first, and we'll go to microbusiness. Uh, you know, I think we should be moving yesterday. Uh, the suffering that the American people are now experiencing all over this country uh, is unbelievable. It's hard 
to comprehend that in America we have people online in their cars, which is a particularly stupid way to do it, just lining up to get food uh, in our own state. You know, all over the state, the National Guard has done a great job of distributing food. Uh, but people who, you know, a month ago were working are now in desperate need uh, of food, uh, and people are worried about a whole lot of things. So we are working very hard to force the Congress, uh, and especially Mitch McConnell and Trump, uh, to move as quickly as we can and as aggressively as we can uh, to pass another major emergency bill. That has to be done. Uh, in terms of micro-business in a state like Vermont, a small rural state, uh, it is absolutely essential uh, that in a state whose economy is overwhelmingly based on the needs of small businesses, family farmers, et cetera, uh, that we provide all of the support that we can in micro-business. Um, and, you know, where it, 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 we have to do it. Uh, from the, you know, from Mitch McConnell's point of view, it's easier to give, you know, a billion dollars of aid to a large corporation than it is to give $10,000 of support to a two-person business. Uh, and, and that's the problem, but that is exactly what has to be done. So I think it, it, as a result of this crisis, people are looking at localism more than we used to. Uh, we want to get our food uh, locally. We want to get more of our products made locally. And to do that, we're going to have to support very small businesses. And so, yeah, count me in as a fan uh, and a strong supporter of helping uh, the micro-business uh, economy. Well, I, I agree with Bernie. And the micro-businesses are intensifying a local response to the impact of globalism. So really, really important. Uh, I think the next stimulus uh, package is going to focus largely the, 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 on aid to the states. And there's a debate about that. Uh, I think a lot of us believe that we've got to send money back to the states because if we don't, there's going to be brutal impact on education, on health care, on fire and police. Um, Mitch McConnell has another approach, and he says the states could declare bankruptcy. I mean, that's a prescription for despair and depression. Uh, but I think that the micro plant, the micro business opportunity would may be best advocated in Montpelier because my view is we should send really substantial money back to the states and back to Vermont. And I think Vermont should have a good deal of flexibility about how best to use that money to fill in the holes or to create opportunity. So if we let that, those decisions and that debate take place in Montpelier, uh, the, the, I think the prospects of getting uh, something that is specifically related to boosting our micro businesses uh, may be enhanced. All right, thank you. So another question that we're getting a lot uh, from uh, Vermonters is uh, questions around unemployment insurance. And it has been complicated and cumbersome as you both know. So the question coming in is, what help will self-employed people receive? Some still have not received their $1,200 stimulus check and have not received any unemployment money. Uh, this is coming from someone, uh, many who have not worked since March 17th. And you know that those that doesn't add up for a family who's trying to survive and, and pay their bills. I know you have both been tracking this issue so closely. Uh, is there any comments or information you can share? Because a lot of people are in that same situation. I am. I have talked to the Secretary uh, of Labor, uh, Mr. Scalia, uh, to make sure that these checks get out as quickly as possible. As I mentioned earlier, one of the problems is that states like Vermont are dealing with 40-year-old mainframe computers. Uh, I think uh, that the governor and his team, uh, Mike Harrington is the Vermont Secretary of Labor, have worked overtime trying to get the checks out, but not everybody has gotten it. Uh, so we have got to provide the resources for the states uh, to upgrade their capabilities, to make sure that they have the staffing necessary uh, to deal with everybody who is applying uh, for unemployment. Uh, as you have indicated, if, if people are living paycheck to paycheck and they're not getting uh, this check, which by the way, we fought very hard not only get regular unemployment, not only to extend the time of unemployment, but to increase it by $600 a week. 
So people need that. They need it now. And I will do everything I can. I know the entire delegation will uh, to make sure those checks get into people's hands uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, and that's the same for me. I mean, it was a victory that uh, we pushed to get $600 supplemental for folks who are unemployed. And for the first time, the first time to have unemployment be available to a person who's self-employed uh, or an independent contractor. There have been practical uh, delivery issues because of the antiquated computer systems in the states. Uh, we're lucky in Vermont that Governor Scott is doing everything he can to address that as opposed to say Florida where they created a system that had as its goal keeping people from getting the benefits they're entitled to. On the checks, um, hundreds of thousands have gone out in Vermont, but many haven't and the people who need it need it yesterday. Uh, so we just continue to be pushing the Department of Treasury and the IRS to get those checks out as quickly as possible. And I really feel badly for folks who are still waiting. All right, now let's turn it back. Uh, Senator Sanders, you can lead off with some closing remarks. <laughs> Marks, uh, then Congressman Welch. I want to thank the whole delegation for being here. And for well, everybody. Crystal, thank you, thank you. And, and let me thank Bebersaw for putting the event together. Um, a couple of days ago, I talked to a group of doctors uh, in terms of trying to learn from them what they see the situation is and where we go from here. Uh, and I wish I could tell you that it was an optimistic discussion. It was not. They're very concerned about the future. Uh, and about how many more people will be infected and how many more people will die and what this means with the economy and so forth and so on. That's where we are. And I think the first thing that all of us have got to understand is we have heard over and over again today, we are in an unprecedented moment. Uh, Peter mentioned the uh, pandemic of 1918, where over 600,000 Americans died. Um, we all know the Great Depression, where unemployment reached levels of 25%. And now, unbelievably, we're looking at both the healthcare crisis and an economic crisis at the same exact time. Unbelievable. Unprecedented in modern American history. So I think that, it, and then we have a president who is living in a very different world. So this is tough. This is very, very tough stuff. And uh, no one has a magical answer. All I can say is that if there was ever a time when we have to express solidarity with each other, that we all have got to stand together, this is that moment. And I have to also say that if there's ever been a time when we have got to rethink the basic structural foundation of American society, this is that moment as well. And if there's anything that is good, of which there is nothing about this current crisis, uh, it is that maybe we rethink our priorities, our values, and where we go from here when this crisis is over. We should not be the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all people. We should not have half of our people living paycheck to paycheck. We should not have a half a million people sleeping out on the street or a dysfunctional child care system or 45 million people uh, in student debt. Uh, that should not be what America is about, or massive levels of income and wealth inequality with free people on the wealth in the bottom half of America. Can we create a very different America? I think we can. And if there's any silver lining in this disaster, I hope is that people are thinking about that. How do you create an America with a vibrant democracy that works for all, uh, not just a few? And I hope and believe that our small state uh, can help lead that effort. But once again, Vebisar is part of that effort. You guys have been there for years. Uh, and I've been pleased to work with you, understanding that you can make a profit, you can run a very successful businesses, and many of you are successful, and yet treat your workers with respect, uh, treat the environment with respect. And that is exactly the kind of models that we're going to need uh, all across this country. So thank you all for what you're doing. I look forward to working with you in the future. Well, and I want to say, too, that uh, it's tremendous to work with you. Uh, because you do make a commitment to that triple bottom line. Uh, you're doing a lot of good in the environment, doing a lot of good for creating jobs, uh, treating workers with great respect. And you've been longtime advocates about having that social insurance system that is absolutely essential to the well-being of our country. 
it is the only way we can give people the security that everybody needs. That if they get sick, they'll get taken care of. If they have an illness, they'll be able to take care of a person they love. Uh, if they want to go to work, they can have confidence that their child is going to be well uh, cared for and starting to learn. Uh, all of that is incredibly important. Um, but we're going to be tested uh, because this is hard. We don't have the social insurance programs in place that we need to provide that stability. So we're trying to create them on the fly. My hope is that we'll learn a lesson from this and move forward on many of the things that Bernie just mentioned. Uh, but this is a day-to-day -day challenge and we do need the solidarity. And the more we interact and try to see if we can help somebody else, the more you do to try to help another business that's got a tough moment, the better off we're all going to be, the more likely we'll come out on the other side, the better for it. That was Congressman Peter Welch and Senator Bernie Sanders participating in a virtual town hall that was conducted last Thursday uh, by Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility. It was moderated by Kristen Carlson from Green Mountain Power. Uh, the town hall was addressing issues of employment, unemployment, and keeping businesses afloat during the coronavirus crisis. Senator Patrick Leahy also joined in the first half hour. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all shows at vermontconversation.com any time of day or night. Uh, tune in next Wednesday at 1 for another Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening. The Vermont Conversation with David Goodman. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by... Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. The Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high-quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. And nearly 700 business members of Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. <laughs>